I want to dedicate this year uh, for the refuah shalema of one of our alumni, Kerry Javno, from Perth, actually, from Perth, Hebe. And uh, her grandfather is, is unwell. Uh, his name is Natan Neta Ben Sara. Okay? Well, Natan Nata Ben Sara. So there are a number of uh, different issues in this week's parasha. And. Um, <coughs> The issue I, I've sometimes concentrated on in more of the Amalta, there's a lot to be said about Chinuch there. We have the uh, various blemishes of Kohanim, we have blemishes of animals, we have uh, at the end the Parsha of the Moadim. There are a number of different Parshas of Moadim, of Chagim, in the Torah. Five, actually. This is the main one. Vayikra Kafkimel is the main one. This goes through all the Chagim. The Chagim are mentioned, of course, in Parshat Re'eh. They're mentioned in Parshat Mishpatim. They're mentioned in Parshat Pinchas. Uh, but this is, this is the, the thrust. Now, I'm going to point out, and you have to look at the text here. I mean, have to. If you want to understand, you should look at the text. And, and notice something extraordinary. Okay? But have a look at the text. Sigigila. Make sure you look at the text. V'edameh Hashem Moshe Look carefully. Say to the children of Israel as follows. The times of God which you will call Mikra'i Kodesh, these are my Chagim. That's an introduction, right? So what does the Pasuk say immediately after introducing the Chagim? Six days of the week you shall work, and on the seventh day you shall keep Shabbat. Shabbat hi Hashem b'chomoshotechem. Look at the next pasuk. Ele moadei Hashem mikrai kodashetikrot habemoadam. Isn't that incredible? It's the same as the first pasuk. Again, and then we start with Pesach and Hala. We have a basic question here, okay? You have to look at the text to understand the question. I give you an introduction and say, I want to speak about tables. Now chairs are built like this. And then you would say to me, but you, you said you were going to speak about tables, and then you started talking about chairs. The first pasuk says, these are my chagim. And the next pasuk says, you should work for six days, and then keep Shabbat. Shabbat isn't chag. <coughs> and then having described Shabbat, we have another pasuk again that says, sorry, Rub that out, let's go back to the beginning. Extraordinary. You look at these so it's extraordinary that there's an introduction here to, to the Chagim, and then there is detail about Shabbat, and then another introduction to Chagim, and then Chagim. And the introductions are almost, not completely, but almost word for word the exact same person. Almost. You understand the question? If you don't understand the question, I can't start the answers. Yeah? Anyone not understand the question? Okay. So our first stop is at Rashi. Rashi is the hardest of the Pei because he doesn't use many words. He doesn't say much, Rashi. 
And although, on the one hand, we, we see Rashi as being easy because we can translate Rashi, we often miss the point because, because when he says what he says so quickly, we don't really get what he's saying. So Rashi says, What Shabbat got to do with Chakim? What has Shabbat got to do with Chakim? So Rashi says something which is a bit strange for us, but I will elaborate. He says, it is to put the Chagim on the same strata as Shabbat. You should understand that if you do not keep the Chagim, God considers it as Chil Shabbat. And anyone who keeps the Chagim, According to Rashi, Shabbat is juxtaposed to Chagim to emphasize the importance of Chagim. But we need a bit more than that. Rabbi Sachs says a few words on Rashi that helps a little bit. A person can say, I've got to keep Shabbat, right? Because God gave Shabbat. He created Shabbat. It's the seventh day. It's based on creation. Now this, I don't think you feel as much in Chutzlaretz as we feel in Israel. I don't know whether you've ever done this in Chutzlaretz, but in Israel, people have the main hug of doing barbecues on Chag. Because you can cook on Chag, right? It's also a passion. You've got to know how to do a barbecue. You can't, you can't put out fire but you can light fire. So you, you've got to be very careful how you play with the barbecue if you do it. And of course, it's very, it's not a great smell either. It's not very chavisty. People also smoke on your tooth, right? People who smoke cigarettes, if it's water at all, they smoke on your tooth because you can burn. You can't knock the ash off because that would be extinguishing, uh, but you can smoke. So when you're allowed to do certain things, it sometimes leads people to not take a day as seriously as another day. One of the reasons sometimes people uh, don't take a Chag as seriously as Shabbat is because you're allowed to do certain things on a Chag that you're not allowed to do on Shabbat. Kagom, be sure you're allowed to cook. The Tiltul, again, it's not something you feel so much today, but when we were kids, there was no Eruv. So on Shabbos you couldn't carry anything, right? You, you had to find a way to take a handkerchief to shul. You had to find a way to carry your key. We had Shabbos belts. Most countries in the world, most places in the world, they have an Eruv. Now on Yontif you can carry even without an Eruv. So, so it's a big difference, right? If you're in Chutzlaitz or in Israel even, there's no Eruv on Shabbat, you can't carry. It means that if you have a baby, you can't leave the house, right? You can't go with a carriage outside of the house. That would be carrying. Uh, but on Yontif you can, because you're allowed to carry. Now when you're allowed to do certain things, subconsciously at least, uh, we don't take something as seriously. And therefore, that says Rabbi Sachs is, is the underlying message in Rashi, that uh, you have to, Shabbat is mentioned by the Chagim, so that you understand that you have to observe Chagim with the same intensity, with the same seriousness, as you would Shabbat. There is a sefer called Drash Moshe. I don't know how many people know about this sefer, because Rav Moshe Feinstein is most famous for his Piskei Halacha. He was a Gadol Ador when I was your age. Uh, he's uh, the Igrot Moshe, one of the most famous halachic responses of the 20th century. 
Um, but he actually, there is a book with all of his sermons. He's around in a shul. And uh, it's called Drash Moshe. And he, he says something really beautiful in this comparison between Shabbat and Chagim. It resonates very much with a theme that I've spoken about here many, many times. And he says, He says, what is Shabbat? He says, Shabbat is about faith in the creation of the world. God created the world in six days, rested on Shabbat, and we are living those days of creation. That someone who therefore desecrates Shabbat is as if to say he doesn't believe in creation. This is a day that we mark the creation of the world, and if you don't observe Shabbat, it means that you don't believe in creation. Chagim are about Hashkacha. It's about that God is, a, is involved in the world. Every Chag is about an historical event where God, the Creator, was involved in the world. They're two very, very different themes. The belief in creation on the one hand, and the belief in God's involvement on the other. And I said even last week in a share, I said essentially if you try and assess the philosophical views of the Western world, most people probably believe that God created the world. But few people believe that God is involved in the world. That's a much more difficult thing to understand. That God is in the slightest bit interested in David Milston. When there are billions upon billions of people in the world, why would God be interested in me? Hashkacha is a much more difficult issue. So he says as follows, each if you talk about Pesach, God intervened and brought us out of Egypt. He took us into the Midbar, he fed us in the Midbar, in a place where people in a normal situation would have died very, very quickly. He gave us the Torah. So each Chag is about God being in this world. Nothing to do with Shabbat. Shabbat is about the creation of the world. The Chag is about God's involvement in the world. Now listen to what he says. In his Moshe's understanding of Rashi, what did Rashi say? Rashi said... If you keep Chakim, you're keeping Shabbat. If you don't keep Chakim, you're not keeping Shabbat. Rabbi Moshe says in his sermonic way, you cannot have one without the other. You cannot believe in creation and not believe in God's involvement in the world. And you cannot believe in God's involvement in the world and not believe in creation. If a person believes, they have to believe in everything. Otherwise, things will not add up. So he says, could God. If you believe that God created the world, but you think that God handed over the running of the world to other other objects or other things, like the Rambam explains in Hilchot Avodah then you don't believe in creation. You have to understand the essence of creation is about God's involvement in the world. 
And then he says the opposite. And if you believe that God is involved in the world, but you don't believe in creation, nothing adds up either. That is the way that Rav Moshe wants to understand Rashi's comment. And Shabbat is mentioned here with the Muadot, saying that don't think that these are two totally separate concepts. Shabbat is creation and Chagim is Hashkacha, and they never meet. He said, no, they meet. They have to meet. You have to believe. It's a, it's a challenge for all of us to, to confront our belief. And one of the biggest problems that we have, without even knowing that we have it, is that we, we don't believe be'emunah shalema. That's why we are told, anima amin be'emunah shalema. Because if you don't believe be'emunah shalema, something doesn't work with you. And you don't know why. And it doesn't fit. It says, Rabbi that is Shabbat and Chagim. Let's go to the Rambam, okay? If we have time, we'll go back to the Svatim. The Rambam takes a totally different direction from Rashi. And we're going to go into the second paragraph in the Rambam where he says, Vahanachon. What I believe to be the correct answer to why Shabbat is mentioned here at the beginning of a parasha that's dealing with Chagim. Since the truth of the matter is, when the chapter starts off that these are my Chagim, it's talking about Chagim. He says, even though on Chagim you can do many Melachas, on Shabbat you can't do any Melachas. And you have to know something else, says the Ramban, and that is why Shabbat is mentioned here. If Chag falls on Shabbat, who overrides who? Shabbat overrides Chag. It's always very confusing for our children. Well, when they were younger, they come to Shul on Shvishel Pesach, and Shvishel Pesach is on Shabbat, and they don't know what Amida to say. The truth of the matter is, you do the Amida of Chag with Shabbat editions, not the Amida of Shabbat with Chag editions. But as far as Melacha is concerned, if Shabbat and Chag are on the same day, so Shabbat is Doche Chag. Shabbat overrides Chag. We have a, a similar situation to what the Ramban is saying with the Mishkan. We spoke about it. I gave a whole Shiklali about it, about the holiness of time and the holiness of place. You remember? When we said Shabbat is mentioned before Mishkan to tell us that Mishkan is not Doche Shabbat. Shabbat is Doche Mishkan. Of the South Africans of Johannesburg, if you remember, two years ago on Tishabav, it was, I spoke on Shabbat in the Mizrahi Shul, you remember? And I asked the question, what happens when Shabbat and Tisha B'Av occur on the same day. Which happened that year, right? Tisha B'Av was pushed off to Motzei Shabbos. And I, I mentioned to the community 
Now that's an incredibly reassuring halacha. Why? Because Tisha B'Av for the non-Jews represented their ideology. What does the church say? The church doesn't deny that there was a bridge, there was a covenant between the Jews and God. They just suggest that it was cancelled. And the Old Testament was replaced with a New Testament. And Tisha B'Av is, is their sign of hope, right? God destroyed the Beit Migdash. And the Brit with the Jewish people is over. But they're wrong. Why are they wrong? Because when Tisha B'Av falls on Shabbat, and Shabbat is the ultimate bridge between the Jewish people and God, we cancel Tisha B'Av. We push off Tisha B'Av. The Brit, Ot Olam, overrides the Chorban. The destruction is a temporary uh, slip-up. The long-term covenant with God is a long-term covenant with God. So says the Ramban, what would happen, we know the Halacha now, so it's easy for us to say, but the Torah was written before the Halacha was established. The Torah is the source of the Halacha. What would you think to do if, if Chag took place on Shabbat? Are you allowed to cook? Are you not allowed to cook? So the Pasuk has to mention Shabbat before Chagim so that you understand the principle that Shabbat overrides Chagim. So let's carry on a bit inside. Don't think for one moment, says the Ramban, that a uh, Chag would override Shabbat and you could start cooking and carrying because it's Chag. And just as we said, with the Mishkan Vakelav, we mentioned Shabbat before the Mishkan in order to make sure that people understand the Mishkan, however important the Mishkan is, it does not override Shabbat. Okay. So, different themes, right? Rashi is talking about the fact that we shouldn't be mezalzel yontav, and you should keep Yontif as you do Shabbat. Rav Moshe adds something on there by saying you have to underline the belief in providence together with the belief in creation. Ramban says the opposite to Rashi. He's not talking about being lenient on Chagim. He's being, you have to be machmir on a Chag that falls on Shabbat. So that's the Ramban. Go to the Tivot Shalom. And Tivot Shalom has a, a critical point here. Rabbi Sachs points out that there are there are a few situations in Torah where you have six and then a seventh. So you have six days of a week and you have Shabbat, which is the seventh. You have six regular Chagim and Yom Kippur, which is the seventh. You have six years and you have Shemitah, which is the seventh. We have a repeating uh, cycle of six and seven in the Jewish calendar. But what the Tibor Shalom adds, I think, is remarkable and, and very important. Let me introduce his theme with the following. There, there are two phrases 
which I have mentioned before in Shiur. One is called Itaruta de la Ela, and one is called Itaruta de la Tata. Itaruta de la Ela means that there is inherent Kedusha. It means the holiness has come from heaven, that it's got nothing to do with us, it is there. Itaruta de la Tata is man-made. Tata means from the bottom. It's awakening that comes from the bottom. Comparing Shabbat and Chag is very important. Because Shabbat is Itaruta de la Ela. There is an inherent Kedusha to Shabbat. What does that mean? What's the Nafka mean? The Nafka mean is that Shabbat happens whether you light candles, whether you go to shul, whether you dance at the kotel, whatever you do, Shabbat happens on Friday night. It's got nothing to do with you. Shabbat is a holy day. The holiness of Shabbat has nothing to do with us. That is not the case with Chagim. With a Chag, it only happens on a date, and the date only happens when we fix the month. And that's why when you double on Shabbat in the Amidah, you say, Mekadesh HaShabbat, God sanctifies the Shabbat. And the bracha on the Chag is, Mekadesh Yisrael, He sanctifies Israel, and they, together, sanctify the times. So that's why a festival is fundamentally, from a certain facet, less holy than Shabbat, because a festival comes from us. Shabbat comes from God. That's the background. Now have a look at the Tibot Shalom. V'yesh levayet al pimata. V'yesh levayet al pimata amru b'sfarim hakadoshim divrei Moshe meharava kadosh red Moshe mitolina tamid habesh hakadosh zechuto yaget alei. Rabbi Moshe mitolino said the following. And this is based on the words of the Ari. Shabbat is Kodesh because its Kedusha is established. It's forever. Kodesh because of us, we make them holy. So there is an inherent holiness, that is Shabbat, and there is a human holiness which is created on Chagim. It's absolutely wonderful what he says. What is the danger when you say there's an inherent holiness in something? The danger is that if you say there's inherent holiness, no one does anything about it. You just become dependent on that inherent holiness. Two other examples. There is inherent holiness to the land of Israel. I believe Rabbeinu discussed it with you today. There is inherent holiness to the land of Israel. But that doesn't mean that we can come here and eat chametz on Pesach and break shalos. It doesn't mean that. We'll read it next week's parsha, Bahavachukota. What happens when the Jewish people come to Israel and they don't invoke their own holiness? The land has an inherent holiness. But that doesn't mean we're not meant to do something with it. According to many of our Baalei Machshava, from the Kuzari through to Rav Kuk, in all of Chasidut, 
there is a fundamental belief of the inherent holiness of the Jewish people. But that doesn't mean that you can just be a Jew and sin. However holy a Jewish neshama is, a Jew is required to apply themselves to Torah mitzvah. And you can't live as a, an overt sinner in this world and go to heaven and just show your Jew card and say, let me in. Even if even if we all have a chenek l'olam you have to do something with it. It's not an open check. There is inherent holiness, but you have to do something with it. And so he says something beautiful here. Even though Shabbat is a different type of holiness, it isn't ituruta de la tata. It isn't holiness that we create from down. There is a facet to Shabbat that is dependent on us. And that has to be included with the Chabim. I have to tell you, when I was a youngster, so um, my family was traditional. Traditional in those days meant that we would have a Friday night meal and then sit down and watch Hawaii Five O. That's what we watched. And uh, that's what we did, a traditional family. We, we didn't go to work, but, but we, we watched TV. If, if my grandma phoned, my dad picked up the phone, whatever. We, it was a traditional family. And um, most of my, well, let's be generous, most of my friends, they, um, they uh, generous to me, uh, they were from. And every so often, surprisingly enough, they invited me. It only happened once in each family, obviously, because once I'd been invited, it wasn't going to be repeated. Um, and, and I was going to these people who kept Shabbos. For me, keeping Shabbos meant they didn't watch television, right? Because we watched television, we didn't keep Shabbos, whatever. And um, I went to one of these families who were like a prototype uh, from family. And I went there for lunch. I was friendly with the daughter of same Sheba, whatever, it was just, uh, just friends and, yeah. And uh, I have to tell you, I was absolutely blown away. They sat at the table for four hours talking Losh and Haram. They didn't turn on TV, but they did more Isuri Torah on that day than we had done in 40 Shabbaton. They just sat there slandering other people for four hours, gossip, da, 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 da. And as I walked out the door in the afternoon, I thought, that, that's, that's keeping Shabbos. Having a big meal for four hours on the Shabbos is keeping Shabbos. That's, that's what God wanted us to do on Shabbos. And, and to talk about almost every single person in the community who possibly could. And our community at the time was one of the biggest in Europe. So it could have been for days. I mean, if they, I, that's not Shemir and Shabbat, you understand. That sitting around the table for five to six hours, eating a lot of food and talking nonsense, Oh yes, singing to Zmirot, so that you can say, and just before benching, let's have a Tavat Torah. Very nice, Shir Hamalu. Because I've done my Tavat Torah. As long as I do the Tavat Torah, that little bit in the meal where, where we have like two minutes of some kind of Kedusha, that gives me a pass to, to do whatever I want at the table and talk rubbish at the table and talk slander at the table. So listen to what he says here. It's, it's very, very strong. Even though Shabbat is inherently Kadosh, 
והיאמין טובים מקרא, מקרי קודש, ועניור מגיעות אוף קודש, על שם שקדושתם נמשכת על ידי עבודתם של ישראל, וכתב על זה שבבת בחינת קודש שיש בשבת, you have to understand that even though there is an inherent facet of holiness to שבת, יש פה הבחינה הבית של מקרא קודש. There's the other part that you have to make Shabbos Kodesh. Shabbos doesn't become Kodesh by playing Frisbee in the oven. It doesn't. Tell Joe! <laughs> you, you can't just go and daven and eat and then you keep in Shabbos. That's not keeping Shabbos. Keeping Shabbos is doing something holy on Shabbos. Those of you who learn Peninei Halachai, you should be aware The Rav Melamed says that every Jew should be learning six hours of Torah every Shabbat. Black or white. Does not differentiate, not boys, not girls. Six hours of Torah every Shabbat. Six hours. I managed four last Shabbat. We were at family Shabbat, so I just dumbed early and didn't go anywhere and stayed in my room. It was good for everyone. Everyone benefited from the fact that I wasn't there. I benefited from the fact that I wasn't there. I still didn't get to six hours. Uh, but he says that, that you understand that even though Shabbos has inherent Kedusha, don't think for one minute that you, it, it's just going to happen. You, you, could, you, you can't just sit at the table and talk nourish guy. You've you, you, you got to sing and you've got to give the very Torah. And, and the rest of the time you've got to learn Torah. There's Mikra Yikodesh in Shabbat. And this is the most beautiful thing. This, if anyone ever decides to come for Shabbos, there have been a few brave girls, and you come just an hour or two early, you will find me already sitting in my chair learning. We're ready to go at least two, three hours before Shabbos. You have to bring in Shabbos at seven o'clock. And I'm certainly not going to bring in Shabbos with my hair wet and flowing in the wind, right? Because, because it's... Are you ready to ask before Shabbos? Sit down with the Sefer. It's what you do with Shabbos. But it's not about eating and sleeping, it's not. And I will readily admit that after an hour at the table, I'm falling asleep. I'm very tired. And I know I'm not going to have to answer WhatsApps. And so I go to sleep very quickly after the meal. But we get up early to learn. Al-yedei ha-chanat kodem ha-shabbat va-al-yedei tefilot ha-shabbat. Tefilot ha-shabbat means coming at the beginning, not during laying. That's not tefilot ha-shabbat. That's like, as I would say to my son, turning up. to watch Harry Potter after he's already killed the dragon. There are two elements of holiness. Oh, you saw that one, huh? There are two elements of holiness to Shabbat. Shabbos is holy, it's holy. You've got to make it holy. Now, let's extend this. Let's extend this. MTA, let's extend this. I know Shikrani is so hard. It's that share of mind that you have to come to. You have to come. There's no other alternative. 
But let's think about it then. It means that there are so many things in our life where there is a given, but the given doesn't define what it becomes. What defines what it becomes is you. It's the same thing about a human being who has basic holiness, but what are you going to do with your soul? You've got a soul. Everyone's got a soul. What are you going to do with it? And you've got a holy land. I can even tell you, and these are great examples for you, you have a gift called a year in Israel. Nothing happens on its own, as you can all testify to. Nothing happens on its own, even if it's inherently covered, even if it's in its place. If you do not take something by the throat with ambition and with aspiration, nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing can be taken for granted. And that says in the Tivot Shalom is why Shabbos is with the Chagir. Because even though there's inherent Kedusha to Shabbos, it will not be Shabbos if you don't make it Shabbos. And even though there's inherent Kedusha to Israel, Israel will not be the holy land that it should be if people do not act holy in Israel. And of course a human being will never fulfill what he can fulfill if he doesn't take his life in his hands and do something with it. Over the page. The Vilna Gaon is just absolutely out of this world. Out of this world. What's our question? Our question was, how can it be that the first Pasuk says, these are the Chagim, and then talks about Shabbos, right? That's our question. You've got to listen to this. I, I, I have to suggest that you lean on your tables because it, it is slightly dangerous. You're going to be shocked by the Vilnagar. Spell? Hold on. The Vilnagar says like this, absolutely unbelievable. Blow your mind. Blow your mind. Make talk. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to blow your mind. Okay? Vilnagar says like this. This we will dedicate to Leah for her birthday. Okay? The, the, the Vilnagar, listen to this. The Vilnagar says, you've got a kasha. Okay, I don't, need, I don't think we need to talk about it now. <laughs> <laughs> the Vilnagar says, you've got a kasha. What's your kasha? You said it said it was going to be Chagim. And it's not talking about Shabbos. The Vilnagar says it's not talking about Shabbos. It doesn't talk about Shabbos. It says there are six days that are week, that are Achor, and one day is Shabbos. What's it talking about? He says there are six Chagim that you can do Melacha on. Two days of Pesach, one day of Shavuot, one day of Rosh Hashanah, Sukkot and Shemini Atzeret. Six days you can do Melacha, you can cook. On the seventh day is Yom Kippur, and that's like a Shabbos. Absolute genius. Absolute genius. Go over the page to the beginning of the Passover and see how it reads. It says, not talking about Shabbos, Bichla, the Vilnagan says. Read it again. It says, These are my Chagim. Six days, you can do certain Melachot. There are six Yamim Tovim you can do Melachot on. Well, the Yom Ashvi'i, the seventh one is Yom Kippur, Shabbat Shabbaton. And then you can't do any Melachot on Yom Kippur. You can't do any Melachot on Yom Kippur. Because that's Shabbati. And then it starts talking about the Moadim in detail. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Go, let's just see it inside so you know I'm not making it up. Says the Gaon Mi Vilna, 
המילים ששת ימים תעשה מלאכה וביום השישי שבת שבתון אינן חלות על ימי השבוע, זה לא טורקי מהוויטרייז, אלא על ידי המועדים של השנה, זה טורקי מהחגים. בפרשתנו נזכרים שבעה ימי מועד, there are seven types of חגים, seven days that are real חגים that are mentioned in the parasha, היום הראשון והיום השישי של פסח, that's two, חג השבוע, that's three, remember we're talking about Israel, so it's only one day. יום אחד של ראש השנה, that's four, יום כיפור, five, and the first day of סוכות שמיני עשרת סבב. On six of them מותר לעשות מלאכה מסוימת. On six of them you can do certain things, you can cook, you can carry. כגון בשיעור וטרטון, אך לא בשביעי, ביום כיפור, לא ביום כיפור. שהוא שבת שבתון. So the answer that the Vilna God has is terrific, right? It's terrific. He says the introduction is not talking about Shabbos. Your whole question pulled the rug from under our feet. You got that one MTA? You got it? It was worth coming just for that Vilna God. It's worth isolation, that Vilna God. I see that you agree. Thank you, Shayla. Even though it's not Sunday. Sunday's her day, right? It's Monday, so if she gets on a Monday, it's even better. And you're going to hear that all year, Shane. And if you can shut a bet, you're going to hear it next year, too. And you'll hear it for years. There is a, a lady who was in Johannesburg called Tammy Levy. Do you know Tammy Levy? So Tammy Levy learned in the Midrashah many years ago, and her name was Tammy Datnow. To this day, I still go up to and say, don't do that now. <laughs> she was in the Midrashah 20 years ago. And every time I see her, I said, Tammy, don't do that now. Don't do that now. <laughs> and that's the same with Tally Kagan, who was Tally O'Neill. So she was okay, O'Neill. And to this day, I pick up the photo. I, I, I got a lot of nachas. Shulik did, did a wedding a few, a few weeks ago of uh, one, of, one of our girls. Um, sort of with Maxine, right? So I went by Zoom, and uh, I got so much nachas seeing Shuli speak that it's so wonderful. Because I was very involved when they came together, so it's lovely. So, uh, so that's okay, O'Neill. Right? That's okay, O'Neill. So, uh, Never forget a name. Unless you get married, then I get lost. And then... So Sunday will be Sunday. So um, let's move on to the Khatam Sofa. It just gets better. Tehila, you're waiting for this Khatam Sofa. You're waiting for this Khatam Sofa. I know you are. So don't hit Mia when you hear it. Don't get Mia duck. Okay? The Khatam Sofa says, so you've got the Vilna Gaon, right? The Vilna is really important. You've got the Vilna Gaon, right? Six days and the seventh is not talking about six days of the week, it's talking about six Chagim and the seventh day is Shabbat, right? Now, now, listen to the Chatham Sofa. The Chatham Sofa says like this. This is what we spoke about last week. Oh God, what did you say last week? Okay. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with our question. You have to concentrate on this. Just hold with me. You have to concentrate. Okay? <laughs> Listen carefully. Says the Chatam Sofer, Roseloma. המקדש כל יום הרי היום ההוא שבת ומועד לשם ואין לו זמן קבוע. 
says the Khatam Sof, but before we start talking about Chagim, let me tell you, every day can be a Shabbat if you make it a Shabbat. Every day can be holy if you make it holy. So he says, What are Moadei Hashem? Elu Ashet Atemti Kruata Mikre Kodesh. What is a Moed Hashem? What is a godly time? Any time that you wish to make it holy, that is Mikra Kodesh. You want to know when my real times of holiness are? Every day. Every day. You don't have to wait for the Chag. And then the second part says, if you want fixed times in the calendar, these are the Chagim. Now, I, 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 I want to just elaborate on this slightly. It's a bit of a, a, a letdown, right? Because it's like, you think I'm getting to the end, and then I stop and start quoting sources that aren't on the page. <laughs> Never mind, at seven o'clock I turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> I, I once remember coming back to Yeshiva after Sukkot. And I remember very clearly Rav Lichtenstein giving a sicha. And it was immediately after Simchat Torah, and it's a bit of an anti-climax, right? You have spent a lot of time in Elul doing Slichot. There's Rosh Hashanah, there's Slichot again, there's Yom Kippur, it's intense. And then you've got a few days to get your Lulav and Etron together, build a Sukhi, and, 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 and uh, you've got, it's very intense. Sukkot is full of different mitzvot, right? You've got Aravot, and you've got, you've got Hoshanot, and then at the end you've got Simchat Torah, and then the next day there's nothing. Nothing. Uh, every tefillah has been long for the last month, and, and there's nothing. It's just a regular day without tafun, and, and it's an anticlimax. And he said it's because you're looking at it the wrong way. He said the chagim are not the climax. The climax is a regular day. The chagim are to prepare you for the regular day. And then Tivot Shalom says, Count, he says, from Rosh Chodesh Elul until Simchat Torah, there are 51 days. From the first day of Pesach to Isruchan Shavuot, there are 51 days. The Tibot Shalom says the year is split into two, the summer and the winter. You need to be prepared for both. Each, each season brings its different challenges. We'll talk Northern Hemisphere, but you can adjust it accordingly. Nisan. Iya and Sivan is preparation for the summer. The summer comes with its challenges, right? It gets hot. People are on vacation, comes with its challenges. And then Elul and Tishrei prepare you for the winter. But the underlying theme, said Rav Lithenshin, is that it's preparation. The holy days are preparation. It's just what the Khatam Sof is saying. He said, I have fixed times, they're holy. But you want to know what real holiness is? Real holiness is every day. It has to be that way. That is the majority of our life is not Chag and Shabbos. There are seven days in a week, six of them we work. I'm not going to live my life waiting for the seventh day. This is any day you want, you can make holy. Any day you want. The, the trick of life, the maftah, the key to life, is to be able to invest, to infuse holiness into everything we do, into every day that we have. Mikrai Kodesh is to make them Kodesh. 
In addition to that, I have other days which are fixed days for, with their own feet. But, but the Yemei Chol, we have to make them Kodesh. It's just such a beautiful way to read the puzzle. Kama Kadesh Kol Yom, Harei Hayom, Anu Shabbat, Mo'adei Hashem, Ve'en Lezman Kavua, Mo'adei Hashem, Elu Asher, Atem Tikru Otam. You make them holy. The way you behave. You go to the Kotel. You go to the Kotel three times a day, ladies. It's yours. We are ambassadors to the Kotel, right? It is our Kotel. It's our local shul. You make me cry, Kodesh. Elehem Mo'adai. That's what I want, God says. That's what I want. That you make the days holy. Every day of our life can be holy. It's not, it's not dependent on anything else. That, by the way, I think, is the message of Simchat Torah, right? And on Simchat Torah, you put down your little venetro, you put down, you come out the sukkah, and everything's going away, right? So what do you do? You open up the Aron Kodesh, and you take out the Sifre Torah. no. No, no, no. I've got Sefer Torah. Right? For the whole winter, I've got my Sefer Torah. I put down my Lulav and because I might be a bit upset about that. I came out the Sukkot, I might be a bit upset. But I'm holding my Sefer Torah. I've got Sefer Torah every day. Every day I've got Sefer Torah. Say every day I can open up Wherever I am, I can open up the Sefer Those, that's, that's the real chag. The real chag is, is being able to make Chol Kodesh on a regular day. Shabbos is Shabbos. Yontem is Yontem. You make every day holy. Now, I, I came across something on Shabbos. I was listening. My father-in-law was speaking, and uh, my father-in-law was Chabadnik. And uh, today is Pesach Sheni. And uh, he said something very beautiful, and I found something that reflects what he said. Uh, it's not a direct quote, but, it, but nonetheless, the theme is there. Ish ish ki yet So I'm moving off my theme onto Pesach Sheni, okay? If when it comes to offering up the Korban Pesach, an individual is impure, or the Derech Rechoka, or you're too far from Jerusalem to make it to Jerusalem, but Parshatenu Mofiyah Mitzvah Pesach Sheni. So we have the option to bring the Korban Pesach a month later. If a person was unable to bring the Korban Pesach on the 14th of Nisan, because you were Tame, you couldn't enter the Beit Mikdash. Because you were too far away, you couldn't make it physically. You can bring the Korban Pesach today, on the 14th of Iyar. Mahi derech rochokah. What is what, what does it mean the pasuk when it says you're a far way away? I mean Elat. I mean the Golan. Yesh mefarshim shayish hayav amakom shemimenu lo hatal lo esharu lagiyal ha'yazara atzuf smad shita. So some people say, yeah, a person was so far away, there's no way he could get to the the place in the Beit Mikdash in time to offer up the korban. Ulam Rashi mefarish akeh, but Rashi doesn't say that. Who am I? Sheaf mi sheyam yichus lemiftan ha'azara ve'ish chitat ha'pesach. Rashi says, even if I was on Harabai, but I didn't manage to get into the Azara, and I didn't do the Pesach, I can still bring Pesach Sheni. I can still bring Pesach Sheni. So that doesn't make sense. Pesach Sheni no adlatei takana lemishaya anusunim nami men lakrile korban. Surely Pesach Sheni is there for someone who, by by matters out of his hand, wasn't able to bring the Korban Pesach. 
Biru Adamze, but according to Rashi, even if I was by her abides and I didn't go up, I can still bring Pesach Sheni. Almost on purpose I didn't do it. So the Rebbe says as follows, there's a difference between someone who was there and walked away from a Korban Pesach and someone who, for other reasons, purposely didn't come. Someone says the Rebbe, who was on Harabait when they offered the Korban and he refused to be involved, that person's chayav karet. Ulam, however, Misha lo nochach ba'azara, someone who's not in the azara, zudono hu ba'ibo la'azara, so he purposely didn't come to the azara, but he can bring a Korban Pesach. Ach ba'inyana karvara Pesach eino anus. Lachem, gam misha man michos mishtan azar, lo nechras ta'kribet ha'pesach, af shehu me'ezid in yami knisato la'azara, nechshab nebchinat anus v'atorem noten otakana. And it means that even if I was very close to the Beit Mikdash and I purposely didn't go up, I can, I can make it right. So what's the point, says the Rebbe? This is critical. The Rabbam says, even if I was inside the Beit Mikdash and I chose not to take part, if I offer up a korban Pesach on Pesach Sheni, I'm okay. That's what the Rambam's posting. Shehaonish karet chal rak al ilohi kriv Pesach Sheni. I'm only chayev karet, even if I did it on purpose the first chag, I didn't do the korban. As long as I did it on Pesach Sheni, I'm okay. Yitara mitzov inyan hachuva yesh klal. Even though when we come to Hilchot Yom Kippur, we are told that if someone says, I'm going to sin and do Teshuvah, sin and do Teshuvah, it doesn't count, it's not Teshuvah. In the case of Pesach Sheni, we are told that if someone purposely did not bring the Korban on Pesach, if he brings it on Pesach Sheni, he is okay. Says the Rebbe, beautiful. He says, says the Rebbe, Zeyuchudosh, understand what Pesach Sheni is. Shemavateh et hayecholet letakein gamachet shena'asa bezadon. The message of Pesach Sheni, which flies over us, right? Just a piece of matzah at lunch, don't say tachlun in shul. Says, what a message, Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni says, you can correct anything. You can always make good. Even if you purposely don't makriv the korban on Pesach. If you're makriv on Pesach Sheni, you can make good. Lachen l'ondimi Pesach Sheni says the Rebbe. Therefore, you learn from Pesach Sheni taklal shel olam lo avud v'shetamid efshar letakel that nothing is ever lost. You can always make good. Gamisha ya tamen even if someone was tamen or bederet rochoka or far from Judaism. It's such a beautiful idea. Very often in life we think that we've missed an opportunity. And if I've already missed it, and it's finished, everybody says no. There's, there's always a second chance. You can always, you can always make things right. And, and human beings by definition are destined to fail. 
The question is, what do you do once you fail? Do you get up or do you stay down? We all fail. It, it's, a, it's a reality in our lives. And the people who try the most, they fail the most because they're trying the most. And they're doing more things, so they fail. It doesn't matter that you fail. The question is whether you get up afterwards and you try again because es shalatake. I just want to finish with a word that um, my Rebbe said to me. My, my eldest son Yitzhak is named after him, Rabbi Yitzhak Bernstein. So I loved his shiurim very much and I, I used to turn up in the classroom 15 to 20 minutes before shir because he used to come in early and I used to like milk him for Torah. He was sitting there going over his shir and I would annoy him by asking him questions and he, was, he had a lot of opinions, a lot of hashkafen and he was very open to give it and um, Rabbi Bernstein asked me to teach your aunt. Lizzie, yeah. I did it as a favor, she's a lovely girl, but I did it as a favor for him because anything he said I wanted to do. And uh, I walked into Shir on Parsha Baalotcha. It's a Gemara Shir, but it was, it was a week of Parsha Baalotcha. And he, he had an Irish accent, which I'll try and do for you. But, uh, um, and he, he just turned to me. He said, David, David. He said, you know, there's lots of things in life you can do twice. So he said, you can take your driving test twice. He says, you can, uh, you can take it more than twice. <laughs> you can uh, you take exams twice, right? If you fail exams, you do them again. Some people get married twice. So you do everything in life twice. And you can do Pesach twice. You can do Pesach Shemi. Then he said to me, he looked up and he said to me, there's only one thing in life you can't do twice. And that's life itself. You cannot do life twice. And that goes together with the Khatam Sofa, it goes together with everything we're talking about. That you look at the clock and it's seven minutes to seven on New Dalit I don't know the English date, sometime in April, um, not the twentieth. <laughs> and you look at your watch and you have to be aware that seven minutes to seven on your Dalit Iyar Tafshin Pei Aleph will never ever happen again it will never happen again and I can say the same thing in a minute's time that six minutes to seven and I can do this for the next seven minutes if you do here till seven o'clock. I'm not going to do that. But it's an appreciation that um, the only time people start to appreciate life is when they're on the verge of losing it. And it's just a rule of life, right? That the, you only appreciate things when someone's about to snatch them away from you. So you have Pesach Shemi, where Rabbi Bersi said, and the truth was that Rabbi Bersi died a young man, he died at the age of 56, and um, very suddenly. And uh, it, it's something to take to heart, right? That you, you can do everything in life twice, but you can't do life twice. And uh, so we have to use our time, and we have to use our time properly. Okay, so we have quite a collection of things. We'll leave it over.